It's great to be preaching back at Clifton Hill. Nice to be here. Um, at Mary Creek, we're uh, a church planting church. Officially, we are because we've done it, and it's not just a theory. Um, and in fact, church planting is one of our key strategies for mission uh, because we believe that by putting our energy into church planting, we unleash energy for mission and a f- we, we unleash a focus as well on mission. Planting pulls us away from the complacency of that sort of thing that can happen where Christians can become like, you know, the passive passenger on a bus going on the trip from Melbourne to Perth, you know, takes you three days or whatever it is, and you're just sitting there drifting off, doom scrolling on your phone, staring out the window and just going along for the ride. Well, we don't want to be like that in church, do we? Uh, Church planning wakes us up. It goes, whoa, I've got to get involved. I've got to pray more. I've got to trust God more. Uh, Things aren't as easy as it used to be. Um, And our thinking becomes more focused on reaching the neighbourhood with the good news of Jesus, and that's like what we've just heard Beck share about and Christine share about. This is our adventure of faith. We are on mission together. And we have mission partners who we support, who are overseas and also working here in Australia, but they're not the only missionaries. In fact, we are all missionaries. We don't have an evangelism program at our church. We are the evangelism program. You are the evangelism program. You are the mission program. You are the embodiment of of the good news. And it's your job, as well as my job and all of our job, to be the announcers of the good news. Mission is our purpose. Now, the thing is, I know that the word mission, I've been around the traps long enough to know that the word mission can fall flat for many people in church when you talk about it. For some, it evokes uncomfortable thoughts about maybe things like colonialism. Uh, You know, you can think back to all the things you learn in history about the way the missionaries treated the Aboriginal people in Australia, those kind of thoughts, and you think, oh, mission is awkward Um, Or you think back to cringy memories of your own experience of being on a mission team um, where the short-term mission you're involved in was more about making the Christians feel good than it was about actually preaching the gospel, you know, going out and picking up Christian, I don't know, on a beach mission or something. You can be cynical as well because, you know, you you can have tried so many things and not seen much fruit. If this is you, I want to know that you can be released from your cynicism. You can be released from it. And to show you how to be released from it, what you need is to partner your concept of mission with the concept of grace. You need to see that they're inseparable. In fact, I would say grace is the special source of mission. You know you know how you need, when you have Nando's chicken, Portuguese chicken, which I, I personally love, You've got to have the peri-peri sauce or it's not quite the same, okay? With mission, you need grace. It's not the same. In fact, it doesn't work at all. So I've got um, five things to say about grace and mission that comes from this story of Zacchaeus, all practical. The first thing is that grace, thumb one, grace is needed for mission to get started. So Jesus is passing through the city of Jericho and a crowd forms around him and The tax collector, Zacchaeus, struggles to see him. Side note, Emma Payne told me this week that in the Greek, this is one thing she learned from from Ridley, 
It's hard to tell whether it's Zacchaeus who's the short man or Jesus who's the short man from the sentence. And I went and looked it up, and it's, she's right. You can't quite tell. Because he was a short man, Zacchaeus couldn't see him. So there you go. Jesus may have been a short man. You never know. But anyway, that's a side note. It's nothing to do with the sermon. Jesus sees... <laughs> Flick's laughing in the corner here. Jesus sees Zacchaeus and invites himself over to Zacchaeus's house to say, stay. And because Zacchaeus was a tax, a tax collector, he had one of those occupations that people despised because they worked for the Roman Empire and they ripped people off often. And Zacchaeus was one of those tax collectors that did that very thing. Look at verse 7. This is what happens when Jesus invites himself over. All the people saw this and began to mutter, he has gone to be the guest of a sinner. And it says all the people are doing this, all the people are saying this, and this presumably means the disciples as well. What is Jesus doing? He's embarrassing us. This is offensive. What kind of rabbi associates with a sinner like Zacchaeus? And the thing is, this is how we all often respond at any attempt of mission. We criticise the strategy. We point out the problems. I do it myself. I look at other churches' approaches to mission and I often think to myself, that's so cheesy. I can't believe they're doing that. Oh, my, my goodness, that's so daggy. I would never do that. I'm just doing the same thing. I'm criticising the strategy. You might have heard people say, why are they running an evangelistic rally? I mean, Billy Graham came in 1959 and we're not in that era anymore. Have you heard that sort of thing? Why are they running Alpha? Nicky Gummel's so posh. I mean, come on, you've studied at Cambridge. Why are we showing that to Australians? You might have heard people whinging about the strategy and pick it apart and deconstruct it. By having a critical response to people's attempts at mission, we get in the way of mission. It's not to say that we can't question strategies and discuss them and point out if there are really problems that need fixing, but we need to do that with grace and with an attitude of trying to make mission happen. With grace, mission can get started. We don't want to let the perfect be the enemy of the good. We want some kind of approach to mission, often, that is so watertight and ticks all of our boxes of what we think mission should look like that we end up not doing anything. We're like the tortured artist who never produces any art because nothing is good enough. It's not perfect enough. We're like the author who never writes a book because they're waiting for inspiration to become some kind of genius author. We don't want to let the perfect be the enemy of the good with mission. There's a lot of Christian writers and, and leaders around who waste a lot of energy on social media criticising other Christians for their approach to mission, while not actually involving themselves in mission at all. The truth is that mission often looks very feeble and weak. That's how it is in the kingdom of God. I'm sure um, when Beck and Karen were out there on the street in Clifton Hill yesterday handing out postcards, it probably felt quite strange at first, you know, a bit nerve-wracking at first. Um, you know, and if you've ever done things like that, you'll know often you feel very vulnerable and weak. Um, that's how it is for us in the kingdom of God. Welcome to the kingdom. But mission doesn't require us to have everything super strong and perfectly worked out. We need to take risks and trust in God. We need to trust that the Holy Spirit can take our meagre approaches and work powerfully. 
So let's be gracious to ourselves and to other Christians and get started. Sometimes the approaches that look the weakest are in fact the most profound. And this was the case with Jesus. So this brings me to my second idea, which is that grace creates mission opportunities. Jesus showed grace to Zacchaeus by choosing him, a despised person to eat with. Look at verse 5 and 6. Jesus looked up and said, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. Jesus didn't talk to Zacchaeus because Zacchaeus had done anything. He hadn't done anything to deserve the conversation. This is an example of one-way love. This was grace. It opened up an opportunity for Jesus to befriend Zacchaeus, to show him love and to bring him the life-changing good news of the kingdom of God. Perhaps you think you have no opportunities to share your faith with anybody. If you start showing radical grace to people, to the people around your neighbourhood, to your friends and family, I guarantee you the opportunities will, f- will flow. If you open your home to someone who needs a spare bed, help out a friend financially who's struggling financially, if you strike up a conversation with another person at school who gets teased by others, all of these kind of acts of grace create opportunities. This is the activity of mission. In fact, when you are showing grace, you are doing mission. The best example of this that I can think of, which I've shared before, um, but I'll share it again, is my grandparents, who for 30 years opened their home to overseas students. One after the other, they went to RMIT, La Trobe, Melbourne Uni. They'd stay from Singapore, Malaysia, Hong Kong. And one after that, other, after a year or two, they'd become Christians. The grace that they showed my grandparents showed them, because it wasn't just a spare room, it was uh, an Australian family that they offered. They got involved in their lives. Uh, grace creates opportunities for mission. There's a really terrific book you should read. If you want to be encouraged about the, the history of the church, read um, Rodney Stark's book, The Rise of Christianity. Uh, he's a sociologist and historian, and he argues that the early church grew rapidly because of several factors. He argues that networks of Christian families and friends played a really significant role in the expansion of the early church. He observes that people converted to Christianity when they they were brought into these networks and communities of Christians. They developed these relational connections and attachments to other Christians, Christians who were showing them grace and love, people on the margins of society and then they'd become Christians. He talked about how the early church provided a stable context for the chaos of the, 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 the times. There were often terrible plagues that killed thousands of people. Urban life was really difficult. There were even earthquakes and drought. He writes that Christianity offered a much more satisfactory account of why these terrible times had fallen upon humanity and projected a hopeful and even enthusiastic portrait of the future. The teaching of the church, it helped the, the, the people cope with the struggles that they had, and the community and the love that they showed, the grace that they showed to these people, um, created the conditions for, for people to say, I want to I be a Christian too. 
Um, this was a time when there were high death rates. Many women and, le- and children were left alone and destitute. But these Christians brought them in. And this attitude of grace motivated the mission of the church, created opportunities, and spoke volumes about what Christians are really like. So grace is needed for mission to get started, and it, grace is, creates mission opportunities. And also, thirdly, grace turns people to Jesus. It caused Zacchaeus to repent and give his life to Jesus. Look at verse 8. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord. Notice he's calling Jesus Lord now. He recognizes who Jesus really is. He's not just a rabbi. He's the Lord Jesus. Zacchaeus continues, Here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Zacchaeus is repenting of his sin of financial corruption. He's demonstrating his remorse by confessing his sin out loud and repaying the people he's cheated. The reason grace turns people to Jesus is because the gospel is powerful. It changes people's hearts. It changes their will. It changes their loyalties, their behaviour and their character. It turns cheats into honest people. It turns liars into honest people. It turns haters into lovers. Paul writes in Romans 1.16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew and then to the Gentile. And the thing about grace is that it is the gospel embodied. Just look at Jesus. He is a personification of the gospel and the embodiment of grace. When you're showing radical grace, you almost don't need to say very much. People will ask you why you're doing what you're doing, and at that point, you can point them to Jesus. Look at verse 9. Jesus said to him, Today, salvation has come to this house. And this brings us to our fourth grace and mission truth. So grace is needed for mission to get started. Grace creates mission opportunities. Grace turns people to Jesus. And the fourth thing... Grace causes community to flourish. When Jesus says, today, salvation has come to this household, what this shows is that it's not just the case that Zacchaeus has got his ticket to heaven, but that he can live the life of a saved person today. Now that salvation is going to change his life and impact others. The city of Jericho is going to be impacted because Zacchaeus is going to stop ripping them off. And he will pay them back for the uh, money he's, he's taken away from them. It led to a happier community. He would give half of his possessions to the poor. One of the things uh, Rodney Stark observed about the early church was that their opposition to um, infanticide and abortion meant that more females survived and were brought up as Christians. Many of these young Christian women would marry pagan men who would later convert. And so there's this kind of attitude of of changing the community that is going on for the early church. And when we also look at the history of colonial Australia, while we can see mistakes that were made by the missionaries towards Aboriginal people, and especially settler society towards Aboriginal people, we also need to be smart and nuanced about our understanding of history Because in Australia, it was the church who established, also established schools, hospitals and shelters for the poor. 
A book like Bullies and Saints by John Dixon, if you've read that or get it, get it it's really good. Notice you can get it in secular bookshops as well. Um, it gives a good, honest appraisal of the good and the bad complexity of Christian history. And his point in the book is that when the melody of the Christian gospel is prayed, played properly, in other words, when Christians live the authentic Christian life, then the melody sounds beautiful and it changes the community around them and makes a positive impact. So if you want to see the Clifton Hill congregation flourish, which we do, we can tinker around the edges a bit with rebranding maybe or changing the seating arrangements or, or the songs or the way we do things in a, on a Sunday service. That's okay, but really what will make the most significant change for the community is showing radical grace to each other and to our neighbours and friends. Grace is needed for mission to get started. Grace creates mission opportunities. Grace turns people to Jesus. Grace causes community to flourish. And lastly, grace shown to you is what you should talk about. I want you to imagine Zacchaeus 10 years later and there's no doubt that he would have had the most powerful testimony and at the core of his testimony would have been the story of Jesus of Nazareth showing grace to him, inviting himself over for a meal. A miserable sinner of a tax collector, he said, I, would, I, would, I was this guy, I used to rip people off. And he would have talked about his life changing, about giving away his money and about his new life. We all have our equivalent grace story to tell. If we're saved by God's grace, then we have a grace story. And it, I, I know that sometimes it doesn't come to mind straight away. Because for some of us, we've lived as a Christian for a long time, and sometimes it's hard to know what God has been doing in your life because you just lived as yourself for such a long time. And you might, sometimes you might need others to point things out in you and to say, did you realise how much you've changed and how much God has been working in your life? Perhaps you could ask someone if you're not sure of what your grace story for yourself is. But if there's one application I want for you to take home from today, it's that you should, I want you to try and work out what is a story that you could share with somebody else of God's grace in your life. And to try and practice saying it to yourself because if you start being a grace-filled person and showing grace to others, there will come that opportunity when you can share your own grace story with somebody else. Mission is not being a, a used car salesman that has to sell some kind of dodgy product. Actually, being a Christian is life-changing and it is what we are on about. This is who we are. And so you just need to find your own story and be able to tell it. Talk about the difference that grace has made to your life. Perhaps it's an, a way another Christian has shown grace to you. When you get these opportunities to share your faith, you will be able to recall that story. Ask God to show you. People have weird ideas about what Christianity is about, but you can be the correction to that weird idea. And just to finish, you need to remember that we don't do this we don't, we don't engage in mission and, and show grace to others and be vulnerable. We don't do this on our own. 
but we do it in the power of God, the power of the Holy Spirit, who loves us as his children. You might think you have nothing to say. You might think you don't have very good answers to difficult questions. You may believe that God really, that nobody really cares about your story, but know this, God loves you and is with you and he's guiding you each and every step. We are all earthen vessels, but we have a treasure within us. Grace is needed for mission to get started. It creates mission opportunities. It turns people to Jesus. It causes community to flourish. And it's what you should talk about and people ask. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we pray that we um, at Clifton Hill, Merry Creek Clifton Hill, can be a grace-filled community um, and that we take steps of faith and show grace to others, that one-way love, that when we're feeling a bit anxious or nervous that we're going to get rejected, that we do it anyway. We pray that you use us um, in our weakness and in our strange strategies that looks, look a bit weird. And pray that we can most of all show grace to ourselves and to each other so that then we can show it to the world around us. And thank you that you ultimately showed perfect grace to us um, by dying on the cross for us. Amen.